You're listening to Place the Podcast. I'm your host, Emma, owner of architecture and interior design studio, We Are Former, based in Melbourne, Australia. Today's episode is hopefully a very helpful one, and I really think this is going to kick off some of your conversations with either me, hopefully, if I am lucky enough to work on any of your projects, or with a selected designer that you go ahead with, with some key questions that you should be asking your architect. So let's go ahead and jump straight into the episode. I'm going to give you a really comprehensive list of questions to ask an architect from fees to services to budgets, new builds, renovations, extensions, and more. Let's get into the first category, which is qualifying someone's level of experience. So it's definitely important to do a little bit of due diligence when you're chatting with someone and sort of find out what their history is and if they kind of have similar experience in what you're kind of trying to get done. And that will let you know if they're going to be the right fit for your project. So here's a couple of questions based off experience. The first one is, have you worked on any projects like this before? So I often recommend meeting up with someone for a coffee or even having a Zoom conversation. And you can write any of these down and you'd be able to table them and start to kind of get the ball rolling in terms of finding out a little bit of the architect's background. So another question is, have you had any experience with this size of project? So you might just be talking about a renovation, which is a small scale project. And even that kind of comes with its own lessons learned. And that is vastly different to doing a new build, a dual lock or townhouse development, and then even the next level up of hospitality, commercial, or even apartments. So just kind of get a gauge for what they've had experience across either in their own practice or in their prior learnings at other practices. And that kind of thing so that you sort of know who you're working with. And another question is, what point of difference does your practice have from other architects with similar levels of experience? So basically, what is the key points of difference that would attract you to selecting this person's fee in spite of what it kind of might be compared to someone else? So obviously, we can kind of see this in terms of, let's say, designer goods versus regular clothing, right? Like what would make you go to cotton on versus Louis Vuitton? Or what would make you go to cotton on versus something extremely similar. So like, why would you choose one of those stores? Like let's say H&M or cotton on, like, why would you go to one or the other? What is it about that specific brand that is drawing you to go in that direction? The last question with regards to experience is who from your practice would I be dealing with on a regular basis? And would this person be designing my project? So I've definitely seen similar people asking questions about this to their surgeons when they go for operations. And that is because I guess you never really know what's going to happen, right? Behind closed doors or when you're knocked out for surgery in a more extreme case, you don't really know to what degree the person that you've interacted with, let's say they are the principal architect, will actually be working on your project and how much of that is going to one of the other staff that you perhaps haven't met and you may not be as comfortable with working on all of those different sort of high level aspects of your project. So it's just something to think about. And I mean, I was a senior architect within a practice working under the directors who were out there winning work and I am certainly very qualified at my job. However, the clients would sort of meet me in meetings so they would know and we would email back and forth and they would be very comfortable with that. Whereas I guess if it was a little bit more hidden, then someone might feel slightly uncomfortable that their project had just kind of been handballed to someone else. Next, I would ask a couple of questions about your project specifically. And some of those might be, are you interested enough in my project to make it a priority? 
What challenges do you foresee for my project? Do you see any challenges with my site? And do you see any important issues or considerations with my project? So here you can really start to pick apart your actual project and what it is that you're trying to do, whether the architect is genuinely interested in doing a design like this sort of project. Like for example, if you were going somewhere extremely high end and taking a simplistic house renovation, they may just not be that interested. And if they were to take it on, it could kind of just get kick to the back of the queue in terms of priorities. So that would not be good for you. And it wouldn't really be a good relationship wise outcome between yourself and the architect. So it is definitely important to kind of clarify some of these things up front and also asking things like, do you see any challenges with the site? This sort of thing will come up in the feasibility and due diligence stage where an architect can really kind of just look at any giant red flags that might prevent what you are wanting to happen on that particular site from going ahead and just sort of give you a little bit bit of guidance and advice around this. Let's move on to questions regarding the design specifically. So here's a couple that you could be asking. It is, would you create a detailed project brief? And this is something I've talked about in prior episodes. So I usually like to set a coffee or a Zoom date with the client. It will go for an hour. And I kindly ask them to set aside that time so that we can sit down, sit down sorry, and get very clear on our brief. And this is extremely important to have this documented for both parties because it means I personally won't miss anything that you've specifically asked to be included and you can see once you get the drawings back to kind of check against what we've discussed so this is important for an architect in terms of scope creep if someone were to continue changing the design and sort of saying oh we talked about this and it's like well if it's not captured in the brief then it may involve some redesign fees whereas for the client it offers you a little bit of protection to sort of push back and say hey, I asked for four bedrooms and there's only three. So it's not really the design that I've asked for. So all of these things are very, very important to create a detailed project brief. There is also the design process and the timeframes involved in this. So working through what the different phases are from feasibility to planning to design development and beyond and kind of getting them to sit there and break down these and explain them for you so that you understand. I would also ask if they use 2D or 3D software and what is your experience with sustainable design if you have some interest in incorporating sustainable elements in your project. And this one is kind of becoming a little bit more important, I guess, because there are some seven star green star ratings coming in by the NCC, which is the National Construction Code. And there is also just the general, I guess, societal expectation that we are doing things for the environment and doing things to reduce our personal footprint. So where possible and where the budget allows, it is always really nice if people want to do something towards sustainability. And then some people will take it and go all the way and want to do passive house, which is a very sustainable airtight kind of project. Next up, we've got questions about the town planning process. So this is when it comes to getting permits and going through council and all of these different things. So would my project need a town planning approval? Does my project have any town planning overlays that I should be aware of? And have you worked with this council before? So I would say these are a couple of questions you could put to your architect. However, the last one about whether or not you've worked with a council is sort of like some people ask it, some don't. I mean, every council is different and you kind of does take you a little bit to get used to the different rules and regulations and contacts and things like that. But 
It definitely doesn't mean that you need to rule out one person or the other because they haven't specifically worked in your area. It's just that there might be someone local who's a little bit more of an expert, but it's not necessarily always the case because as long as your architect is in good communication with council, they're asking all the right questions and they are abiding to the planning regulations, then it shouldn't make a huge amount of difference whether they've worked with them before or not. Now let's talk about the construction phase and some of the other questions you could ask here. So you could check in with the architect if they have any builders that they could recommend. So I personally have met with a ton of builders and I've also worked with a bunch of different people and I know what I like and dislike and I know who's good at certain project typologies and who's better at some other ones. So I personally keep a little Rolodex, but it's basically a digital these days of a list of builders and I kind of write against them what areas they service because of course it depends on which side of town they're on as to which if they'll be able to send their trades and do your project and Then there is also people who specialize in different things. So whether it's a low, mid or high, if they've got experience in, you know, luxury residential or townhouses or this and that. And that is how I will kind of base my recommendations to the client. And I always, always recommend that the people get three different fees and you kind of sit there and do your due diligence on them, meet them, chat to them, whatever it's going to take to make sure that you are comfortable with who is going to be building your project. Some other questions you may want to ask are around time. Now, time is an interesting one because we all have very different interpretations of what's on time, what's early, what's late, and what's a reasonable time frame to complete particular amounts of work. So it is important that you sort of have an understanding of this because there are factors that can impact Uh, time in in terms of constant changes to the design but there are also factors that could impact you if things are taking too long like you don't get to move into your home when you had planned things are you know someone's dragging their feet and not communicating with you or maybe you have holding costs on the land that you've got so there are a number of factors that make time a very important thing to ask about so Some of the questions would be, how long it would take to get my project to site? How long would my project take to get town planning approval? Besides the town planning approval, what things might delay a project getting to site? And how long do you think the construction stage might take? So some of these the architect will know and some of them they can qualify with either council or a builder, but the answers are usually available even if they're just ballpark or approximate. And it's definitely going to help inform your patience throughout the process and also just your understanding of where things are at. Next up, the dreaded money chat. It's time to talk about fees. And I have a couple of questions for this as well. So you can ask someone, how do they charge? Is it a percentage-based fee that is variable? Is it a fixed fee, etc.? And sort of get an understanding of this. Um, there's also the client architect agreement. So what would you expect the project fees to be on the project? And what phases are going to be included or excluded? etc because you can kind of amend this based off your project you might want to ask them to confirm their scope of services and what would actually be delivered to you as the client and if the scope were to change later in the project would there be additional fees how will they be qualified and how would they be communicated to you as the client it's also important to note that you might want to ask what is excluded from the fee for example council fees I do not include in my fee that is sent directly to the client to pay 
pay consultants fees. They are engaged directly by the clients and other things like this as well. Last but not least, there are very important questions around your budget and it is essential that you are clear when talking about this so that you get a very good outcome. So does the cost of works budget meet your brief? So basically does the estimated cost of doing the building works, which could be worked out ballpark with a square meterage rate, you may have got an initial cost estimate done by an estimator, or it might just be the architect letting you know roughly what they think it would cost based off their knowledge of similar projects. So does that cost of works and budget meet your brief? And if not, it, and it's really vastly blown out, it might be that you're expecting too much for too little. It might be that the construction costs have gone up recently and you haven't sort of adjusted your expectations, or it might just be that the level of finish is going to be way too high and overcapitalized and it actually would meet your brief if you were to sort of cut back on some of those things. So lots of things to consider and layers to that question. I would also ask what are your processes in controlling the project's budget so that it doesn't blow out and sort of eat up all of that contingency fund that you've set aside. I would also ask if they obtain estimates during the design and documentation phases. Another good question is how much to budget for the consultant's fees. So there are number of consultants you could need on your project and this definitely varies from project to project you may need to get a land surveyor a building surveyor an arborist a structural engineer a landscape designer there are various people who can be involved at different phases throughout the project and it is very important that you kind of understand this and that sort of bleeds into the last question which is how much contingency should i allow for and yeah just how much basically so that is my kind of list of questions that you could go armed with. I hope that has helped you. Perhaps you got out a pen and paper and you were writing them down. But again, you can always refer back to this episode and just kind of pick and choose what things are really important to you that you might want to get clarified in either your next meeting with your current architect or to present to a future architect or building designer when you're kind of going to them and putting your project in front of someone and really asking what you're able to achieve in terms of budget design, outcome, service offering, etc. So I hope you all found this episode really helpful. And as always, I would love if you could leave me a rating or review. It really helps me out with the podcast and it keeps me coming back, dropping new episodes for you every single week. So thank you so much for listening and I'll speak to you soon.